Hello and welcome to the Chainsaw Buffet Podcast, the podcast that never runs out of things to say. Sometimes we do. Insert silence here. Hey, you guys handle this. Just, just like I thought you would. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, sorry guys, it's been a while since we've recorded last. Um, we've had a couple of different issues that have come up. Um, but we're here now. Um Unlike all your friends that say they'll be there for you until shit gets too real. But we're we're here for you, man. That's dark, man. <laughs> Sorry, I'm in a dark place. I don't know, like if 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 your closest friend is a is a podcast, like if, if we're more dependable than your friends, then I don't know, man. Ted, you are breathing really hard. <laughs> I know. That's so like creepy. <laughs> Like, like, somebody's trying to voice match Chad's breathing to, uh, you know, some hang-up saving <laughs> Oh, please tell me you are masturbating to the sound of John's voice. <laughs> please tell me. Wouldn't be the first time someone's done it. It won't be the last. There is no shame in it. We've all done it. It's... There is no dignity in podcasting, <laughs> is there? No. Not when we're concerned. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give Charlie a minute here. I'm okay. No, you aren't. Compose yourself, sir. <sighs> Woo! I'm okay. I'm okay. okay. I'm sorry. I... I I picture Charlie doing the thing that girls will sometimes do, where they hold both their hands up to their eyes and they fan themselves. <laughs> Or it looks like they're trying to fly, but they're doing it in a really stupid way. Because they're flapping their arms really hard. They're there's no way you're getting a down Yeah, there's no way you're getting a downward thrust the way they're doing it. Everyone knows that the eyes need a certain amount of airflow, like a fire or or a a computer or other machine that you're trying to keep cool. It's basic yeah, mechanics like and physics. That's yeah. that's because there apparently the eyes are heat sinks for the brain. Right. That works. That, that sounds legit. Um, anyway, <laughs> Science. Um, I, I don't think any of the rest of you guys called it, but um, we're recording this on Sunday uh, early this morning, last night, wherever you want to call it. Um, short art online premiered on Toonami. Um, this, this was an interesting show. I've already seen it once. Not on Crunchyroll when it was streaming, but back in 2002 when it was called Dot Hack Sign. And <laughs> um, hey, that's when I saw it. But it's it's a little too early to judge. Um, because, you know, it, with a lot of animes, you don't really get a good feel for them until, you know, several episodes in. Um, and this one is, is one of them. But I do have, like, a few things I need to take umbrage about. Because for those of you who aren't familiar with the concept, it's about a MMORPG, you know, like World of Warcraft. Um, only the game is played using a device that is like this virtual reality headset. But when you put it on and you, and you link into it, like... It, for, somehow it magically connects all of your nerves into the game. So your body, aside from your know, like basic respiratory functions, like you can't do anything. You can't move. It's like the rape device. It sounds like it's it's more like dreaming. 
Let's yeah. Let's let's maybe not take it to rape. <laughs> well, you can't fucking move while you're using it. I I mean, this is one of those what could possibly go wrong sorts of moments. They I don't remember what they call it in the show, um, but they may as well call it the Xbox One. Well, I, I mean, it's it's that level of really. This is what you came up with. Well, I mean, <laughs> no. to be fair, like. We, we heard you like immersion in your games, so we've immersed you so much that you can't move while you're doing it. All, all the horrible things that happen with like the warp engine and the transporter in Star Trek, there's no way I, I'm it would ever create so. technology that would allow you to evolve yourself by going over warp 10 or to, you know, get yourself trapped in a transport buffer, you know, for a hundred years. I'm going to say something potentially horrible. And I don't mean this in a uh, racist way, but this sounds like the kind of device that Japan uh, came up with to kill Korea. Okay. It's It's a video game system that you can't get out of. I I can't uh, even unpack the that level of race. Makes a disturbing amount of sense. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's it's one of those. It's unfortunate every time that you read about something like that. Every time I read about something like that, it usually isn't in America. Well, it usually comes out of Japan. It really does. I don't know. I mean, we've got Google Glass and Oculus Rift and things like that. I mean, we we're sane. We realize that trying to attach your brain to is that is that what you're getting at? What what sort of device are we talking about? Yeah, it, it, I'm just saying that this is set like in 2022. I think they said so. Nine years from from now, there is no fucking way that anybody in their right mind would purchase a device. That you can't, you know, it literally puts you to sleep <laughs> where you can't do anything uh, oh, yeah. while you're using it. Nobody buys that. Right. No, that does not right. get off the ground. Right. And no one would buy metal testicles to put on the back of their truck either. No, that, that happened. I don't uh, understand how you connect those two things, but now that you say it, it makes perfect sense. It's and, like the anyway, same level of crazy. That's my first piece of umbrage with the show. And again, it might be a great show. It's way too early to really get into it much. But the second problem I have, and this is where all my dot hex sign jokes come into play, is that just like in dot hex sign, um, the main character, and incidentally everybody else that's playing the game um, at launch, cannot log out of the game. So there's this whole... Um, the the person who created the game turns out to be uh, some sort of evil genius, just like um, everyone uh, who, uh, who run- creates. Well, I was gonna games. say just like the guy who runs Activision. I was gonna say just like EA and Activision and just like what's Blizzard. his name, Bobby Kodak? Is that his name? I guess just like that dude that runs Activision. He's an evil genius that wants to kill everybody because. Uh, like on Nightmare, he, he's like the, the video game equivalent of Freddy Krueger. Because once you die in the game, you die for real. Because uh, why not? Exactly, because the internet. <laughs> well, no, you, you make a good point, though, that this is this is sort of a trope. And it's got all the mechanics of, like, you, you, 
you can't log out if you die in the game if you di- you die in real life it's almost kind of like the zombie genre there are certain yes. rules that always apply whether they make sense biologically thematically whatever there just because there are many animes that do this you know there's this there's the Ragnarok anime i don't know if if that's if that's one of those they're playing the game or it's set in the world of the game i, I haven't watched it patrick uh, made a comment about one of my issues. Maybe that was something that they did in that show, but I don't know for sure, to be completely honest. But when there's like three shows that do it and two of them have the same trope, you need to come up with another idea. Well, like I said, I think it has become a trope, kind of like the collection of mechanics that surround zombies, or I, I can't think of another example, but it's kind of like there's no reason all these mechanics should always always be used and always be connected, but they are because but uh, i was about to say well that's that's the kind of thinking that got sparkling vampires but that's another discussion technically Uh, that that was doing something different with the genre if you want to get right down to it that's different and horrible but different that that's exactly his point when you try to get away from the tropes deliberately sometimes you end up with sparkly vampires yeah, that they get points for trying to go away from the tropes, but then they lost all of those points with every other decision they made. <laughs> um, in any case, you know the the challenge is the only way to get out of the game is by beating the game. Um, and I forget however many floors there are, but um, you know there were people that played it in beta and nobody was able to beat it. They they know that um, most they MMOs like starve to death or something. I was gonna say they understand that most MMOs don't have a concept of beating the game, right? Sure. Here's yeah. It's this more like this, this show kind of forgets that the internet exists because there's absolutely nobody in the world that is griefing or teabagging <laughs> or jumping around for no reason. Um, the only the only thing they got right was that when you know there's a there's a scene early on where uh the the game master slash creator teleports everybody and explains to him his little devious plot he's he's gloating to them about what's happening he puts an item in their inventory and it's a mirror and when they use it it makes them appear in the game as they do in real life and the one thing they got right was that uh there is a female character that turned out to be a dude yeah <laughs> Nice. Now, unfortunately, all the, all the female characters actually should have turned out to be dudes, except for one. Yeah, I mean, but that would have been more realistic. That would have been far more realistic, but they just had the one dude that it happened with. But, uh... It, I, I don't know. It's one of those shows that I hope I enjoy. Uh, but the, these are the things it has to overcome, because they really could do the show without having this whole, you can't log out of the game because at the end of the first episode, they were like a month has gone by 2000 players have died and nobody has cleared the first floor. That's how the first episode ends. I'm like, wait a minute, a month has gone by, you know, are these people hooked up to uh, IVs and hospitals somewhere? Cause otherwise they're all fucking dead. Okay. And also like someone like someone has organized a rescue operation like the the corporation that's in charge of this game, people are being arrested. You they're know, going there to get are sued raids. Into oblivion. Yeah, like 
there is there is some sort of military action being taken at this point against corporate headquarters. Like this is not something people just go like, we'll just let them work the problem out in This is game. not a small deal. Yeah. No. <laughs> people are probably taking down servers at that point. I, I mean, there's there's a lot of real world implications here that are not addressed. Yeah, but um, I th- I think the reason that's the case is drama. Exactly. Like it, you know, if there are griefers, if there are things, you know, all the unpleasant things that actually do exist on the internet, then you get a much different story because honestly, you know, if the people who are at the top of the game in wow and and stuff like that are not your average player. And, you know, they're probably not the people who are doing all this griefing and, and stuff. I think you get like this, this idealized version of a game where all people are basically good, and also there there's kind of a wide swath of player ability, you know, ability players of different ability levels represented. So here's here's my fix for the show, and I, I talked about this on Twitter. Instead of having it to where they can't leave the game, why can't it just follow in, you know, just have everything still be in-game the way it is now? You know, you don't have to show the players in their daily lives or anything like that. But, you know, have their impetus for clearing the game be something else, like a million dollars or something like that. Because I, I, uh, I think at least the million dollars... they get recruited to really fight aliens. Well, my, my point with the, the million dollars is that doesn't reflect everyone. The people who are going to involve, be involved in that, they're going to be the top players. You're not going to get this slice of life. It's going to be more like watching a movie about a, uh, you know, like a pro sports team or something like that. And, th- and that's fine, but you could, you could kind of focus on all that. You could focus on, you know, sort of the pro players you could focus on, you know, the more casual players, and you could get into the players, you know, respected personalities in and out of game, um, kind of explore the reasons that people play games, both the good and the bad, you know, explore why people are assholes online, um, maybe get into their personal lives and, and how it's an escape, ad- address addiction, things like that. Uh, I-, I think that would make for, an, for a more interesting show. Because there's so many things that I have to suspend disbelief for that, you know, my, my suspension of disbelief is kind of like uh, a hammock. And when you lay it down with a bunch of shit, it's just going to fall on the floor and I'm going to be like, okay, I'm done. I can't fucking take this anymore. Well, like yeah. I said, I, I, would like, I would like to see that version of a slice of life anime. I, I think you would get almost into, like, welcome to the NHK level. That That's the thing I would compare it to where there's kind of this, there's this implication of a larger plot going on, but it's all, the larger plot is sort of a, a red herring and it's really about the people and yeah. kind of their, you know, the struggles of these average people. Um, the, the other option is it would be like an esports version of Kuroko's basketball or, you know, name another you know, Princess Nine or name another sports anime. Princess Nine is the fucking best, by the way. 
Um, that has been relicensed by I think uh, Nozomi and Right Stuff, uh, and they're they're going to re-release the dub of that. That was an old AVV show. Go out and fucking buy that. I don't care if it's a bad girl softball team. You'll enjoy the shit out of that show. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd like to see that because that was one of the things I enjoyed about Dot Hank Sign because uh, Sukasa was the only character that was stuck. And you had yeah. other players, and you kind of got a little bit of insight into who they were. But they, you know, they kind of focused on this rather large story that Dot Hack was trying to do um, between the anime and the games and the manga and all that other crap. Um, I kind of I would like to have seen more of just getting to know the players behind the characters and why they act the way they do online. Yeah. Because, you know, some some of them are legitimately role-playing, and some of them are doing it, you know, in terms of escapism. And there, it, Dot Hagsong did ki- kind of have a griefer character uh, for one of the characters, in a sense. I think he was actually, like, a really little kid, so... Hmm. Well, like I said, I'd like to see that, too, but I, I don't think... Another reason... I think we get shows like this is people want a Naruto or bleach level of action, you know, <sighs> high stakes show. Whereas a slice of life show is going to be welcome to the NHK or kids on the slope, or, you know, it, it's going to be, you're going to have those moments of action. You're going to have those moments of high tension, but it's not going to be the entire show. And there's going to be other narratives, you know, that yeah. take spotlight. It's just one of those moments where I find it um, a little perplexing that you make a show about an online game without having any understanding of what an online game is actually like. Because everybody's kind of, you know, normal and buddy-buddy. There's there's just not nearly enough people saying uh, racist and homophobic things to you out of nowhere. Well, like I said, they're they're working with Still, the trope, not reality. Um, yeah, I have no idea why I dropped the call there. Sorry, guys. That's okay. Rob. My my one major problem with Sword Art Online is two a.m. That's I my my suggestion. Uh, move that up to uh, twelve. Move Soul Eater up to twelve thirty. Uh, put IGPX at one. <laughs> um, oh, let's see what I... else is on there uh, <laughs> anyway, anyway let's backload this with Inuyasha and One Piece and Naruto and Bleach and Eureka 7 have that take you know right right up into like 6am cause they're gonna be up watching that shit anyway let's, let's yep. let the old people uh, watch their shows and get to bed early I'm for the kids the... can stay up late I'm totally for this. And yeah. I, I I tried watching Bleach or not Bleach, but that One Piece. And man, this this saga they're in right now just has me fucking banging my head against the desk. <laughs> I'm like, uh, I I don't know. Again, if, if I had known that it was just a stupid comedy anime, like it, it feels more like Bobobo. I don't know why people. Take it so seriously. Why it's That's, why it's set on a pedestal with Naruto and Bleach because it is not either of those shows. 
It is true. It is fucking Boba Bo or Zatch Bell. It's that kind of stupid. Like you know, there, you make a really audience, good point. It, 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 it is it is a lot that. closer to them. And there's an audience for those shows. There are people that enjoy those shows. But that is not, you know, like, that's not my type of humor. I know that uh, here at Chainsaw Buffet, we, we are not exactly highbrow humor either. But it's it's not something that appeals to me. Yeah. But if I had, I, I feel like my, the, the way I was informed by other anime fans about this show really kind of twisted my perspective. I'm like, no, that's not what this show is. This show is fucking Bobo. I guess that level of just dumb. Yeah. And I think I would feel a lot differently about it if, if my perception of it had been a little bit differently. But I was like, why do so many people like this show? And now I still wonder. But at least I, I kind of have it pegged, you know, more where it belongs. That That is yeah. me for like, the, the only difference between you and me in this case is like, my list of shows I don't understand why people like is much longer. And that's okay. Because, I don't know, I've, different tastes. I'm just glad that Attack on Titan is a thing. Yeah. Yeah, I need to watch that, but again... I'm glad that that and uh, The Devil is a Part-Timer came out at the same time because now now I'm feeling good about the anime industry again. (laughs) I need to watch both of those. I I recommend watching them. I recommend buying them. Uh, Hopefully Funimation will put those out on DVD and Blu-ray. Um... Just support the shit out of both of those shows because that's what we need more of. We need more Satan's too tired to take over the world because of his shitty job at McDonald's, and we need more, just more Attack on Titan. Yep, that shows. That shows the best, even if I do kind of hate uh, one of the major plot uh, mechanics. But is that spoiler territory, or can you it, talk about I, it? It it kind of is. But it's so important to the show that's kind of you can't not know. But I kind of hate the whole the main character has a special destiny sort of thing. I really liked the show, you know, through like the first five or six episodes where it was like, you know, he was motivated by, you know, his own experiences and and his specialness came from that determination and him questioning people's complacency about being inside the walls. Like that they just want to live their lives inside of those walls and not be bothered by the Titans. And his was more I want to kill the Titans, I want to be free and I want to live in this world because, you know, we were born in this world and, and they have no reason to keep us out. And and then they kinda gave him that special destiny and I'm like, uh Fuck it. Mm. But it's still a really, 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 really good show. But that that goes back to a whole conversation we've had about, you know, like Bleach and Yu Yu Hakusho and Dragon Ball. Oh, yeah. And Jesus. (laughs) Where we tied all that shit together. Because Um, geniuses. Yeah. Deep as fuck. Deep as fuck. Um... Which, speaking of big things, I did see uh, Pacific Rim. Has anybody else seen it yet? No. Not yet. How was it? It was, okay, it was good, but I'll be honest. I What I did going into it, when I saw the previews, 
I was like, okay, I'm keeping my expectations super low. If all I see yeah. are giant robots fighting giant monsters and nothing else, I am going to be happy. And in a way, I was let down by my own expectations because I should have expected more. <laughs> you should have expected more. Because there was plot and character development, and there were times where I'm like, can we go back to giant things fighting other giant things? And then, I mean, not that it, I mean, it wasn't bad. It was actually, it was, it was done really well. Like it was, it was a good sort of action drama that involved Kaiju. I mean, it, 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 it was, it was really good in that respect. If all you were expecting was a dumb, a dumb robots versus monsters movie, like I was, then you're more likely to be let down. But if you're expecting a good movie, with actual plot and stuff like that, you'll actually be pretty impressed. So, um, in a weird way, by trying to set my expectations low so I wouldn't be disappointed, I was actually disappointed. Um, That's kind of funny. I kneecapped myself. But, um, it is good. The uh, one of the, the big question I come away with is, why do the monsters only ever attack at night or when it's raining? Um, and I think that's probably a stylistic choice, a visual choice, um, because sort of the, the feel you get is what he likes to do. It, what Guillermo del Toro, del Toro is trying to do is give you like little bits of the monster during the fight. And then there'll be some sort of moment when you actually sort of see most of it or get a better sense of what it looks like. Mm. So it's, it's kind of like he builds up to it, but as a result, you do get a lot of like dark lightning flash, close-up kind of views of parts of the monster, it, or monsters. But um, this was kind of like uh, Cloverfield, where you know they didn't really show much of the monster really until the end. Yeah. Well, luckily it's not that bad. But I mean, he's. I, I can see. I can see sort of the purpose behind the way it's done. But then again, I I was because of where my expectations were. I was like, come on, let's, let's show a, a far away shot in mid, you know, at, at noon when I can see what's going on here. But, right. but overall, I mean, it's, I, I do recommend it and I would love to see more giant monster movies. I would say I, I really do want to see that. And the thing is, it's not that I particularly like giant robots or giant monsters. It's just that this is, it's not part of the problem. This is a major Hollywood movie that is, exploring something that you don't see in a lot of like it's not following one of the formulas one yeah. of the genre formulas so you know yeah and then the only I other was sort of, that and the only other sort of weird thing about it is and you'll see this in the first few minutes is i assumed the story starts off when the monsters first attack but it's not like it's more there's more voiceover and telling the story of when the monsters first attacked, how they drove them back, the development of the, um, Jaeger, Jaeger, yeah, the Jaeger program. And then like where the story actually, and it's weird because it's, it's sort of like, you know, we developed the Jaegers. We just kicked the monsters asses completely. And the story then jumps forward, oh, like I think a couple of years maybe, to when the tides turn again and the monsters start defeating the robots. And then it skips ahead again to where most of the movie takes place. So it, it's, it's the, the, the 
where the story takes place isn't where I expected either. But still, definitely a good movie, and I would I would seriously recommend and suggest that anybody go see it because I really hope that if this thing makes a lot of money, that means we'll see more giant monster movies. Because mm-hmm. I freaking love me some giant monster movies. I was having this conversation uh, with Dylan on Twitter um, that, you know, Pacific Rim obviously uh, has a lot of anime influences, but, you know, isn't directly tied to any franchise or anything like that. It's an an original property. I was saying um, Attack on Titan might actually be the opportunity to have a anime based on a movie that works because all the names and the vast majority of the characters... Uh, except for one, uh, have Western names. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Um, because they they talk about the Titans, I think, first... One of the first places they wiped out was Asia. So there's very few Asians. There's just one in the main cast. Um, huh. So everyone so else did- you know, has... has Western sound, Western or Europe, European, you know, sounding names. Um, so there, there wouldn't have to be a lot of uh, weird renaming characters like they proposed doing uh, when the Ava movie was in production for live action um, huh. or anything like that. And it's you know it's it's about giant monsters and you know, there's a, a military theme to it. You know, there's lots of military guys. Um, and and it's like Pacific Rim in that you know it kind of take starts after you know the monsters arrive and everything. So it's a very straightforward um, plot as far as you know, making a movie. It's a movie about you know driving back these monsters. Um, and, hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if we heard talk of it, especially like that. That's one of the titles that I've just heard a lot about especially outside circles that I don't hear talk a lot about anime. So, and and if you, if you think about it, Hollywood occasionally will float these, uh, you'll hear news stories about like Keanu Reeves was going to do the cowboy bebop movie. I think I heard similar rumors about either bleach or Roroni Kenshin or something like I think, I think there was news this week that Toby McGuire, Toby Maguire is producing the Robotech movie and Leo DiCaprio has signed on for it. Well, that... Yeah, but will it that, actually... Uh, that's... Uh, <laughs> that's a thing. That's a thing. <laughs> that, that will probably that's... happen at some point because Harmony Gold likes gone. money and they like being litigious against uh, people who want to try and bring Macross stuff over the States. Yeah, so. okay. Harmony Gold just has... I, I don't think they'll... I, I don't think it'll really happen because Harmony Gold just does the bare minimum they have to to keep that license. They're not going to let anybody actually do a real movie based on it. Well, I think I think they will because they like money. Like they like money enough to go after people. It's much easier to it's much easier to make money in court by suing people. Well, my my point was more that we will probably there will probably be talk of an Attack on Titan movie at some point, especially if it gets bigger as you know the series. Um, Actually, I guess the series is finished, isn't it? Yeah. No. 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 Okay. How many episodes are we up we, to? Um, well, it's simulcasting right now, and I think we're up to 15 or something, not counting okay. this recap oh, okay. episode that they did recently. Um, 
I and there's like forty something volumes of the manga out. I could have. Um, what, what is it with recap episodes? I don't know. Like, uh, here here are two things that that piss me off. You don't need to do a recap episode every thirteen episodes, and you also don't need to do a new theme song every thirteen episodes because the first like when the series starts off, it has this really cool theme song, and then like this most recent episode. They changed the theme song. It's the same band, but it's not the same song. So, it I don't know. It's just, it's like, fuck you. I, I really liked that first theme song. I, I like, I, I always, I find it interesting that that recap episode, it's like, they really, the creators are like, you know what? Either it's because they're lazy, like, you know what? We can actually cobble together a whole episode out of the, the, uh, hooves and snouts left over from other episodes, yes. <laughs> or they or they truly think that their fan base doesn't have the mental capacity to remember twelve to fourteen previous episodes. Well, actually, it might be that you know, especially as a show becomes like super popular, you know, it it's a way to bring new viewers in. But you I'm don't going, think they I'm have, going, you know, online on demand in Japan? Because I'm pretty sure they I, do. I know, but I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and go with the the recap episode is the hot dog episode of anime's theory. Yeah, it's it's the uh, it's the college uh, casserole, you know, on Sunday where they took every fucking thing they had left over from from the week. And you know, like stuffed it in some sort of crust, and they served it up. I'm like, no, I remember that shit from Wednesday. There's like fucking hot wing meat in there. No, <laughs> fuck you, <laughs> fuck you, Airmark. I know better. I'm on to your game. I think we've, I think we found our title, Airmark oh. of the Beast. Oh wow. Uh, I think that's that's probably the, the the most logical explanation. That's that's what allowed the people working on the show to work an eighty hour week instead of a hundred hour week, so they could actually see their families. I, I am glad that the manga is so far ahead of the show right now, though. I, I hope that they finish it up before the uh, the anime catches up to it, because I do not want to see Attack on Titan filler. Oh, good God! I I just hope that the manga doesn't drag on and it actually like wraps up to a logical point because otherwise we're getting bleach. Yep. I, oh. I don't want to get bleached by this, okay? You remember how good like the first arc of bleach was? It was like, okay, like, like this is a high school anime. Arcs. And they're like, nope, now we're gonna spend like a hundred episodes running through a big castle maze. Enjoy yeah, I, I didn't <laughs> mind the uh the Soul Society infiltration arc that much, but when we got to the bounce, I was like, "Done, done, fucking yeah. out on this show, let's go." That's all the all the bad guys are good guys now. I'm I'm fucking out on Bleach. It's probably a bad sign that I just assume any any show or manga that goes on that long is just going to get there. Like, I am cynical. I will not love anything because it will screw me by. Uh, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of good shows that wrap stuff up in 56 episodes, but if it goes past that, 
your chances of of doing anything good beyond that go exponentially down. It's it's like something good happening after three a.m. It just doesn't happen. Well, okay? I mean, you you actually it's see true. this with um, American TV shows. Like if it goes beyond three or four seasons, it's gonna get like you're gonna ha- hit a moment where you know you're, you're the gonna, biggest you're fans gonna, are gonna say, "Yeah, it's good up until." You're gonna bring Jesse in, and then yeah. we're all gonna be well, fucking. There's, pissed. but but interesting point. This is, I mean, that you got that I kind of get is um, the dividing point between whether you can go long or not and still be entertaining is whether you're a drama or not. Yeah, or sort of an action drama. I mean, because if you look at the ones that once they kept going on, just absolutely tanked, you're pretty well looking at dramas action kind of serious storytelling with some funny bits maybe but and and this is me going back to american television more it's the comedies that can actually run long because they're not necessarily if they're not trying to tell a cohesive story you know if it's very episodic it can it can go long and still be entertaining that is true As, as long as the writing stays fresh yeah, and I mean, and and not to say that I mean every long-running series is going to have bombs, you know, every so often. I mean, even the shows that I really like, or for uh, like six or seven years, like The Simpsons did. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, The Simpsons, Simpsons don't have to maintain continuity, and they can do crazier and crazier stuff. Yeah. But even like like going back and watching the fourth season of Community, I'm noticing like it's really hard to top the end of the third season. So like, I don't expect a lot out of it. And there's apparently news that they're like a bunch of people are not going to be there for, or a couple of people are not going to be there for every episode in the fifth season. So, well, and actually Simpsons is an interesting one because, and and this, uh, I guess is because it's, well, this is because it's animated and it's uh, comedy because, you know, the characters are supposed to be so old, you know, a certain age. Now, whenever they do, you know, they, they do change it around when they do like flashbacks or flashback episodes yeah. because they're not trying to keep, con- they're not necessarily trying to keep a lot of continuity with the show, with them set with the show, but continuity with where the characters are supposed to be, not with where they were, I guess. Um, the, the the example that comes to mind is, you know, back in the '90s, an episode I, I really loved was the one where they're doing the flashback episode of how Homer won a Grammy, with because back in the '80s, um, barbershop quartets suddenly became really big again, and they formed a, a group called the B Sharps, and became like huge successes, and then lost it all. And then sometime in the last five or I don't know how many years, because I've only seen it the one time, they basically did the exact same story, but to keep the characters the right ages, instead they made Homer, he became part of a grunge band that got really big. That's... But, dumb. <laughs> well, I mean, but it, was still, it was still pretty good, but I, I, it, I found it interesting that they, what they were trying to keep, rather than try to keep continuity with their own flashbacks, 
they were trying to keep continuity with where the characters were. Yeah, and the characters never get older. And to be fair, like I don't think they've had a lot of lineup changes either, or uh, you know, cast changes. No, they haven't. And they haven't, you know, because they're locked to a particular time and nothing ever changes. It's not like you know, a uh, a sitcom where two characters get married at one point or two, you know, the main characters decide to have a baby. Yeah. Like, but with, with a, with a show that is the not baby, a, which is killed almost every sitcom except for King of the Hill. Yeah. But yeah. if it's not episodic shows that are not episodic, like anime have just like those moments all the time. So yeah, at some point, like they build up to the point that I think I said it before on probably one of those long, really long uh, filler podcasts we did that like at some point it becomes so complicated and convoluted that new viewers are going to have a really hard time understanding why any of this is even possible because they haven't been there for the build up. Yeah. Well, the only thing I can assume with the really long running, especially like the Shonen Jump series kind of of animes, is the only expectation that I can think of that the that the creators or or the whoever has is that by doing story arcs, they don't necessarily expect you to go back to episode one. You know, if you're 200 episodes in, they're like, you know what, you can go back to the beginning of this story arc. And sort of catch up, you know. I mean, you can, yeah. can sort of you can sort of get it figured out, even if you want. Now, granted, that sometimes doesn't work because we talked about this before. If you got into Bleach with like the the sword, um, where all the Zompok toes were people, yeah. Then you're like, hey, this is a really good, and you know, you don't see, especially you if don't you don't see Ichigo don't... for six months, and you're yeah. Like, I don't know who the main character in this show is. That was when you made that point. I mean, that that I guess that's the problem you can run into is you're thinking it's this, you know, this composite cast or ensemble cast. <laughs> you find like Ichigo and you're like, wait, 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 what happened to all the characters I liked? Who is this Ichigo guy? And Where why does all everybody the sword come people in? go? So, I. It's so I don't know if they're if they're assuming maybe they're just assuming that people yeah well, you're not going to go back to episode one but maybe you'll go back to this story arc especially with those that where the story arcs are just so different I mean with Bleach a couple of them build on each other but especially when you get the filler they're just completely off the rails different I I don't think that that they really care about where people are at in their watching habits because they're just too busy, you know, doing cocaine through $100 bills. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, so, uh, hoping, let's, let's, let's hope Attack on Titan doesn't go a million episodes and never goes into filler. Uh, agreed. Dylan, uh, you said you had played a couple of games recently. Peggle! Um, oh. What? Peggle? Oh. Yes. Uh, because I, a couple episodes ago, Basil, uh, was talking about, I think it was the E3 episode. Yeah. He's like, Peggle like, 2. Peggle 2. Like, fuck, fuck you. Who cares? I, I feel like I have to follow up on this because during, I think at the start of the last Steam sale, I bought Peggle. Just, just, 
just so I could test this out. Because I did commit, if you remember during that episode, to I will try that. I, I have to, before I make fun of it, I will try it. Kudos and, to you uh, for honoring your commitment to Peggle. Uh, it, uh, it, it wasn't bad to start out with. It, it got addictive. To start out with. Uh, to start out with, it's like, man, this is like one of those physics-based games. Because, you know, you, you fire a ball, kind of, kind of reverse pinball. Well, kind of like Pachinko which was was uh, Basil's explanation. And, you know, it bounces around, you know, clearing off pegs, kind of maybe even like a reverse breakout. And those typically are not the kind of games I like because uh, physics is hard. Yes. Like math. Touchy and hard and stuff like that a lot of times. Uh, it, it got addictive, but I I have to say, like, I don't get the the excitement over Peggle 2, but I guess that's because I don't have dreams of being a pachinko playing salary man. <laughs> <laughs> Not all of us can have the uh, the unassailably high dreams that Basil has. Um, I was gonna say, other than that, uh, I actually spent surprisingly little during the Steam sale, but that's only because. I have so many games unplayed and I went back and played some of them yeah. uh, just to remind myself not to buy things because they look good and are cheap. And uh, that's how you get a Russian mail order wife. But uh, if you haven't uh, already, cause it's been out for a while, uh, you may want to take a look at Evo land. Uh, cause it's, it's on steam and good old games, GOG.com. Um, I was really hoping that that was going to be more of an adventure game, like a Zelda or whatever, but, um, it's more of, I don't know if you guys have ever played DLC quest nope. DLC quest. It's, it started out on XBLIG. It's now on steam. Um, you play this platformer character who has to, collect coins and use them to buy DLC to add on, you know, like the ability to move left or the ability to jump or, you know, it's a commentary. And once you get to playing it, you realize there's not much of a game. I don't even think you can actually die. You just have to, it's more of a puzzle. You have to figure out how to get the coin enough coins to progress. Evil land is basically that except with final fantasy and Zelda. And if you're from that era, you know, um, you remember the old, you know, top-down Zelda games. You remember, like, Final Fantasy VII. It Average touches... remembers. Yeah. <laughs> it, like, it touches on so many of those points because you, you play a character that goes from, you know, a simple Game Boy RPG all the way up to a Final Fantasy VII style 3D RPG. Wow. Um, and and what's neat is like when you when I was first playing it, I thought, eh, there's not much substance to this. It's more of a performance piece like um, DLC quest. Like it's 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 the experience. It's not it's not the gameplay. But then later on, um, the it actually introduces a lot of very neat puzzles. Um, 
where you go from the 3D to the 2D uh, mode. Um, they call it time traveling, basically, to get over different obstacles. Um, and it's, huh. it's a really quick play. Like I said, if you find it on sale on Steam, it's usually around $5. It's $10 normally. There's probably like three or four hours of gameplay. I played it six because I went back through and looked it up on Game Facts and got every achievement. But uh, there's, there's, yeah. But the nice thing about the game is it's a quick play if you're just doing a run through. But there's all kinds of collectibles, you know, kind of hanging off of of the main narrative that you can spend more time if you really want to milk. Also, I, I uh, picked up shadow shadow run returns. Well, I had it because of the Kickstarter. Um, I did not play the original SNES shadow run game, but oh, I did. what? Oh, I did. I really like this because, and I'm not, not usually a fan of turn-based tactical games, but, um, it, the pacing tends to be pretty good where you're not always in turn-based mode. In a lot of cases, it's just exploration and, and um, you know, overworld map type stuff. Um, mm. The I, I really like the way the turn-based combat does play. It's very easy. It's not um, something you have to think about a whole lot and, you know decode the rules um it kind of reminds me of old school neverwinter nights and i don't know if that is a fair comparison or not but it's been a while but you know you you've got a lot of there, there is a a storyline you've got branching dialogue paths it's nothing as complicated as like your mass effect or dragon age where they make major they have major impact on the storyline. Um, and the combat isn't, you know, like your final fantasy tactics level, but it's, it's pretty fun. Anyway, that was pretty much all the stuff I wanted to talk about. Okay. Um, hmm. I what recently, is, go ahead. I was going to say, what else did I miss? Oh, not yeah. much. Just Dylan talking. Um, <laughs> I, I recently played a couple of games as well. Um, I finally got around to purchasing a copy of Ninja Gaiden 3 Ra- Razor's Edge. Um, I didn't buy Ninja Gaiden 3, like the vanilla version when it came out, because it was just, it, it got terrible, shitty reviews when it came out. Um, but Razor's Edge fixed a lot of the issues with the game, um, added some extra content. Um, it. It's a Ninja Gaiden game. <laughs> I mean, that's that's pretty much all I can say about it. Because I had concerns because it's the first one to be done since Itagaki uh, left Tecmo. But um, they, they did a pretty good job of keeping everything intact, even if they didn't take a lot of chances. You know, they, they just sort of kept on with the formula. But it was still fun, still solid. Um, I liked the stuff that they added to the game because they added the ability to play through the levels as some of the additional characters that they added, like Ayane from Dead or Alive and Kasumi and Momiji um, oh. from one of the other Ninja Gaiden games. 
So that was cool. Um, I wish that they had added maybe um, one or at least one other character from the Ninja Gaiden games who have been playable in the past. Rachel, I thought she would have been a cool addition um, and added a little bit more variety. But it was a fun game. Um, You don't play those games for the storyline. You play them for the action and for the boobs. Um, Shout out to Allie Hillis. She was in that game. Um, And I also borrowed Deadpool from Jeffrey. And I should not have played that game immediately after playing Ninja Gaiden 3 because they're both action games. But in terms of just execution and depth, Deadpool is just shit compared to to a Ninja Gaiden game. It was really funny. I mean, it's it's worth playing, except um, it's really short, and it's really, really buggy. Um, I finished it last night and came across all these weird glitches towards the end of the game where I basically had gotten tired of trying to just kill all the enemies in, in an area in advance. I just started pushing to one checkpoint to the next just because I could at that point I was... Uh, powerful enough in the game where I could get away with it. But doing that started uh, causing all kinds of weird little bugs because the camera would try to auto-adjust to pan on the enemies that I was just running past. (laughs) And it would interfere with the platforming in in the later levels. And then Mm. when you fall, instead of dying, it allows you to teleport back to where you jumped from but all the enemies were gathered there, so it would automatically push me back down into the hole. And then at one point, I was down at the bottom of, of the level where you're not supposed to be. <laughs> so I was in like a glitched out part of the game until the game just killed me randomly and restarted me from the checkpoint. Oh, wow. But it's it's really fucking funny. Um, but if if you're like looking for a really deep action game. Ninja Gaiden was, you know, is it's cheaper and it's a better game. But if you're just looking to laugh and have fun, and if you're a fan of Deadpool, that's definitely a game to, to check out. Although I think it's more of a rental because it's, it's by the same team that did the Transformers video games, which are also really good, but also really short. And this game doesn't have the benefit of having uh, online multiplayer like Transformers games do. So there's a couple of challenges and things that you can play afterwards, but I had no desire to do so. Uh, and there's, it doesn't have the benefit of like Ninja Gaiden where, you know, it, there there aren't any additional playable characters that you can do in like challenge mode. Because um, I would have loved to have played this like Psylocke or someone who's in that game. Um, oh yeah, but that 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 just wasn't an option. Um, but anyway, I, I just kind of wanted to do a quick recap on this. I also wanted to talk about uh, a story I saw a couple of days ago about Fauya, which yeah. I have taken great delight in making fun of um, because, as as Dylan and Mike know. I am not averse to the problem of independent uh, of, of indie games. Like I like the idea that people can make their own games and publish them on their own and and get them out there on the console. What I hate is the actuality of indie games. 
Because, you know, there's so many of them. They're just complete shit and should yeah. never have been made in the first place. Um, and the Ouya, you know, is sort of, you know, they kind of put their money on indie games. I'm like, yeah, this sounds like a great and noble idea until you realize what indie games are actually like. Well, also because uh, um, I think the, the article you linked to specifically said this. A lot of people are just putting, you know, an emulator on there or th- yeah, they're not was, going through the marketplace. I, I was going to get to that. Um, the, the article I read said that like 70 something percent of OUYA owners have not purchased a game from the marketplace. They are using the system for um, for for like NES and other console emulators. Which are a illegal, and b readily available on uh, PC and and other mobile platforms. Yeah. Um, so it's well, a it's a ninety nine dollar emulator box. I'm not like I I think their problem there was they were you know they were expecting to make money off the marketplace. That's where they thought the money was, and that's you know and what they ended up creating was this open device that runs on you know a as open a mobile platform as you can get which is not much but um it's kind of like and it's a low cost piece of hardware that connects up to your tv it's like a slightly more expensive raspberry pi you know no one is going to sell a raspberry pi expecting that you know it's going to make money off of a marketplace it's I I desperately want the system to succeed, but essentially for the same, I guess the same sort of real or the same kind of perception that that John's got that you know I in in theory I like the idea and as a concept I want it to succeed, but the reality of indie games is just so different from from it's the same thing with kickstarter like i love the idea of kickstarter i hate the reality of it yeah it's because i I wrote this long piece about um the double fine kickstarter and how successful it is and how now they've gone over the budget that they raised even though what they asked for was you know a fraction of of what they ended up getting and it's just one of those you know, okay, so now what? Yeah. Well, I think I think the Ouya is obviously, or the indie games on the Ouya, well, indie games in general, like you're, you're talking about, it's a different problem than that. It's the problem of there's a lot of good Kickstarters that are not getting funded. There's also a lot of Kickstarters yeah. that do, you know, like are getting way overfunded. And yeah. yes, it would be nice if, money just naturally spread itself out more evenly, but my Kickstarter is that legitimately should not be funded like on principle that are yeah. because the people doing it are popular. Yeah. yeah. I don't think there's any way you get like, you kind of have the same problem with indie games where, you know, there's, there's a Knoxville developer, uh, well, a group of a team of Knoxville developers who did, um, evil quest on XP LIG. Xbox Live Indie Game, sorry. That's a really good game that's kind of retro uh, based on Crystalis for the NES, kind of that style of game that they... Steam 
I think Steam rejected them for whatever reason, because I don't know, you know, Steam is curated, even though it allows in a lot of different indie games. And they're on Steam Greenlight, but even Steam Greenlight needs a ton of votes to get anywhere. You have to have a following. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and, and it's not like one of those things where you can kind of scam votes because you have to think maybe you purchase something on Steam before you can vote on Greenlight. I think I don't know. Maybe because I because I tried to vote for Dive Kick, but okay. it wouldn't let me because I've never actually bought anything on Steam because. Oh. And I I kind of yeah. hate to 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 use that as as an example, but. You know, Dive Kick gets funded. Dive Kick, which is a joke, and I totally, I totally understand what it's trying to be. I'm not trying to take anything away from that. But then a game like Evil Quest, or I could probably, you know, go through a list and name a lot of other very yeah. deserving games that are way more complicated than her, her, her two buttons that didn't well, make it because they didn't have a following. And my my hope with the with the console thing, like with the Ouya, because and the other thing is, I, I would love to see just a fourth console make it into the market and actually be able to compete. And, and maybe that's just—I I know it's just a pipe dream of mine, but I don't know. In in a in a couple of ways, it just seems like Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo are—I don't want to say complacent, but it's like they know that they only have to compete against two other group, two other people. They know what the other well, people are doing. Well, other. Well, but look at it this way. Sony and Microsoft were pretty new to the console market when they come, came in. Yeah. Sega and Nintendo were the leaders there. Now Microsoft and Sony are leading it. They didn't come out of nowhere. Yeah. They came from... So I think it's, it's going to take like an Apple or a Google to get an idea like Ouya off the well, ground. You're probably Sony, right. My, well... To be fair, Sony did kind of come from nowhere. They yeah, did, but I mean, they were already well, a well-established company. Yeah. Well, my, yeah, hope, I, I, my, my hope, though, they had the is, money to pump into it is that we've got to a point where, because it used to be, and I could be wrong about this, but this is my own perception. It used to be that like what really drove the console wars was just graphics. As far as the consoles themselves, I mean, games really are the final determinant. But what really like propelled making new generations of consoles had to do with basically graphics and how detailed you could make your, how much, you know, memory you had to create a game, how much space you could take up. Yeah. Um, and it seems to me that that seems less and less. So like we're getting to the point graphically that you can't, Re, um, and and I could be wrong. Things could change, but at the point at the point we're at now, graphically, you cannot do a whole lot more than what you're they're already doing. And if that's the case, that as the technology gets cheaper, as technology is wont to do, the entry the entry price to enter the console wars will actually drop off quite a bit. So maybe maybe now in the next however many years, five years, ten years we'll actually see the, the price of entry come down to the point where we can see other consoles enter the enter the market and maybe do well. It is possible. I think you still have that barrier to entry that like you need a large recognized name that has the marketing behind it because you know most console manufacturers or at least Sony and Microsoft, I don't 
know if this is true for the Wii U. I know it was true, not true for the Wii. You know, sell the console at a loss because they're going to make it up in software. other, yeah, software later. The licensing. Yeah, and a company that's kind of out of no, like I think that's what Ouya hoped to do, but they didn't have, you know, there was that barrier to entry. Well, it's it's one of those things where the problem was there are no games, there are no marquee games to support that console, and yeah. the fact the fact that they made a conscious decision to support a platform where they could open, where they, I, I think there are a couple of cases where they openly state you know, using emulators on there, you know, as, as part of their official PR. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you, you've kind of screwed yourself at that point because the emulators are free. You're not, you're not selling, you know, anybody uh, on old stuff. Yeah. Um, and whether they're emulators or, you know, something that is not like the legal gray area, like, you know, just normal Android apps or, I, I don't know. I've never used the Oya, but you know, you still have that same problem. Yeah. Um, anyway, I, one other thing, because uh, we're probably going to need to close this up. We're getting kind of long in the tooth. But uh, Dylan, I wanted to ask you about um, Xboxes um, saying, "Oh yeah, you you can do self-publishing." Uh, now on on Xbox One, uh, what your thoughts were on that, um, and if I, you thought that there was going to be anything different from sort of uh, what happened with XBLIG, where they just didn't support uh, anybody at all, and uh, how how that compares with uh, Sony's big push for indie development. Well, first of all, like if you look at at Sony's um, program, like I've actually looked at the form. It, it's not it's not going to be like XBLIG where you could just, you know, any console is a dev kit. You do have to get a Sony dev kit. Supposedly they cost some, like, I want to say like $2,000 or something. Yeah, I, I saw an article but, um, where it was like, mm. it's like 2500 for a dev kit for like mm. the, the, the dev kit that most people use. I think there is maybe a range of prices depending on what you wanted to do. But that Sony had a loaner program where they where they kind of loan those out and that's sort of the thing that they're pushing so that people can do it affordably and am I correct yeah. on that? Yeah, that's what I've heard. I don't know what the process is for like allowing that. If Sony just will send it out to anyone or if you actually have to have you know, I don't know if it's something like Steam where they're Sony is making kind of hand picking things. You know, right. Who gets access. And, and that may work for them. That may keep a lot of the crap off the marketplace and allow them to put, you know, these self-published games in the same marketplace as everything else. Like Octodad. Yeah. I think, I, I think it's awesome that Xbox One is going to have a development, like, assuming, assuming it's like XBLIG and, of course, like everything else, it's hard to tell without having any details. But assuming it's like XBLIG and you can just, you know, pay $100 a year or something and get access to it, that would be awesome. It, a lot of it depends on what platforms they allow 
or what uh, development tools they allow. If this is going to be like XNA lock to, you know, uh, you know XNA or probably won't be XNA. My guess is it would be like Windows RT or whatever. But if they open it up and kind of support like mono game and unity and, and stuff like that, like they're doing with it, Windows 8, that could be pretty awesome. Assuming they don't bury the, the marketplace and they actually give good tools for sorting out the crap. Is is there any... Do you think there's any chance of that actually happening, though, given their track record? I don't know. And, and the thing is, like, considering I'm not in the process of actually, like, developing any games right now, mm-hmm. you know, like, I'm just playing around with Unity. I am a hobbyist. I, like... This is not selling me like the the news about indies is not selling me on a PS4 or an Xbox One right now. I'm kind of like, let's see, because this is not going to be the Xbox One self-publishing is not going to be available at launch from what I understand. Right. Mm. So I, I, I say it's a wait and see. I think it's good that this is becoming like big news that they felt like they had to do this reversal and not just like XBLIG it's this cool thing but no one else is really doing it so we're not gonna they they are true is truly the Xbox 180 yes <laughs> which is I, I I actually kind of respect the fact that they're they're making these decisions based on you know the, the blowback that they're getting so yeah but it also makes you wonder what their original thought processes were like, but it's, yeah, uh, yeah it's true. But I, I I'm just but, like, this console cycle may not suck, you know? Right. That's and where my expectations are right now. Well, we'll see. Uh, I'm, I'm still at least at this stage, um, with a, without really knowing a lot about what the games will be like down there. I'm still fairly uh, strongly leaning towards PS4 at this point, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, um, and, like I said, anyway. I'm, I'm wait and see on, on all yeah. of them. Yeah. Too, too early to really call anything for certain. But anyway, is there anything else you guys wanted to talk about or are all hearts and minds clear? Um, I believe clear. Actually, I am going to throw this out. Uh, if you've got Netflix, John Hodgman's Ragnarok, just watch that recently it is awesome all right cool well then uh peace be with you and also with fonzie now as a (laughs) (laughs) all right guys thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time peace